0: Lent um, and pursue uh, this season of preparation uh, for the, the cross um, and uh, uh, the empty tomb and the, the beauty and power of the um, crucifixion and the resurrection. A, a, Brilliant move of the church throughout history to set this time apart so that when we, we, we come upon uh, Easter, that it, it doesn't catch us by surprise. But our souls and our minds are ready to really venture into the, the beauty and power um, and miracle of, of the resurrection. And so um, our journey this Lenten season is to look at Jesus' longings. What, what are his um, longings? Um, what are his unfulfilled desires that he reveals to us as we look at Scripture? My, you might even think, isn't that sort of sacrilegious to say that Jesus had longings, that he had unfulfilled desires? Um, I mean, how does God, and Jesus is God, God in the flesh, how does God have unfulfilled desires? Desires. I mean, can't God fulfill all desires? How does this work? Well, what, what we'll see here is that Jesus has deep longings that are indeed unfulfilled desires. He is fully human. And so we'll see, particularly we'll look at his prayers. Right? He's crying out to the Father for something that he, he wants to see happen. Now, um, it's not in the text anywhere. We don't see that Jesus has some of uh, what we might confuse longings with cravings. You know, I just don't see him saying, I'm midnight, I really need a cheese coney. Um, so it's, it's a little different there. I mean, these longings are deeper. You know, the, these are longings uh, that for shalom. These are longings for the kingdom of God um, to be experienced, for the ways of heaven um, to be experienced and fulfilled in in our lives, so um, today uh, John chapter eleven we will um, look at bits and pieces of uh, john eleven we 'll start at page eight seventy three on your in your pew Bible. Um, and this is a um, the events here is, is Jesus um, and uh, Lazarus when Lazarus is dead and Jesus raises him um, to life. Um, so what, uh, what what's happening bef- right before we get into the, the, the passage is that Mary and Martha, are Lazarus' sisters, and they've come um, or they've let let word be known and word has traveled to Jesus and his disciples to say that Lazarus is sick, he's dying, come and visit him. And uh, um, and that's where we'll pick up in verse seven. Let's uh, let's pray. Almighty God, speak to us in this time through your word, not just through the words on a page, but through your spirit who speak to us through those words so that indeed um, we might uh, experience the grace of trusting you more. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, uh, John chapter 11, starting with verse um, 7. And we'll, we're going to walk through this um, bit by bit here. It's just sort of take different pieces of, of the story. All right, chapter, uh, verse 7. Then after this, he, Jesus, said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, The Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. So, um, Lazarus is dead. Jesus is ready to make his way back to Lazarus. We see, um, uh, you hear from the disciples, this is not a safe journey. Uh, the folks in Judea were already throwing, ready to throw rocks and stone Jesus, and the disciples were like, you know, that's not a good idea. And then the disciples and Jesus, and you'll see this throughout. Uh, the just folks aren't getting what Jesus is saying. They're just, they're just missing um, what Jesus is saying. They, they think he's talking about Lazarus being asleep when really he's saying, no, he is. Dead, And then you catch, just a taste here, we'll get to the prayer at the end, but you get Jesus' longing here. Verse 15, for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. And this is his longing. This is his unfulfilled desire that we see throughout. That we as his disciples and throughout this journey, we see we are fickle, we're weak, we're, we're broken. And, and Jesus longs for our faith, our belief in him, to grow deeper and deeper and become the center core of our lives. And, and what we, we see here with, with Lazarus is one of the things that prevents us one of the things that prevents us from growing in faith is our natural penchant, our natural um, uh, uh, reaction to protect ourselves. Whether it's body or soul, we want to protect ourselves. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what the, um, you, you see in, in uh, Thomas here, who, who's really the cynic. You know, he's like, why, why are we, first, they're saying, no, let's not go back there, it's dangerous. You know, people are ready to kill you, so let's not go. Well, that never stopped Jesus. Protection for his body was not his primary concern when it came to following the will of the Father and and doing what was the work of the kingdom of God on on this earth. And so Thomas then, he sort of, he he just protects himself there as a cynic. Okay, everybody, let's go. Lazarus is dead. Jesus is going to be dead. Let's go die with him. That's a natural tendency for us to protect either our bodies or our soul and just know, Jesus, let's just stay here. Let's have a nice little prayer meeting. Let's sort of do our thing here, but let's not enter into the fray, into the mess, into the evil of our world. Um, one of the most powerful uh, stories for me of, of Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was the the one that happened early on in his ministry, um, in his kitchen, um, where uh, it was uh, the they had just started the bus boycott, and uh, he um, it was midnight, and he had come home from a late um, meeting. He was dozing off, and the phone rang. And and um, often in their uh, House, they just wouldn't answer the phone at that, those hours. But you never know if it's a, a real need or um, what all's going on. So he goes to the kitchen and answers the phone to then um, have someone threaten his life and tell him that he wouldn't or his family be um, alive in the next week if he didn't stop organizing the bus boycott. He uh, Dr. King hung up the phone, went to his kitchen, walked by the room of Yolanda, his 10-month-old. He'd have a good reason to say, let's just stay here. Let's just stop. I mean, these people are threatening bullets and bombs. Puts a pot of coffee on, sits at his kitchen table. And there, he shares with us that he looks at the phone, looks at the table, looks at the coffee. He says, yeah, this sort of internal conversation. You know, I can't, he says, I can't call Daddy now. I can't call on Mama. I've got to call on that, that, that one that Daddy used to call. He used to tell me about a power that made a way out of no way. said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I still think I'm right. I'm here taking a stand for what I believe is right. But, Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now. I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage. I'm afraid. I can't let the people see me like this because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they'll begin to get weak. The people are looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I'm at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. And he said at his kitchen table in the silence with his coffee in his hands, he heard a voice deep in his soul, call out his name, Martin Luther. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. He says, I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still, fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. There are times that Jesus calls us into those places that are dangerous for Mind, body, or soul for his sake. And that can be one of those things that limits or gets in the way of our growing in trust and faith in him. But, like with Dr. King and the disciples here, in weakness and in fear, but they still walk with him. Alright, let's pick it up and then in verse 28. Jesus now has arrived... He's been talking with Martha. We'll pick it up sort of mid-conversation. Martha, one of Lazarus' sisters. When she'd said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Stop there, um, just at uh, this, this part of the, the interaction. Um, so here, what, what we have here then is, is Mary interacting um, with Jesus. And, and Jesus, he's on his way there. He's said all along that he's there. He's the resurrection and the life. He's going to to raise um, Lazarus. You've got Thomas here, already troubled by Protecting himself, becoming the the, the cynic. And and now, what what you really, I think you have here with with Mary is that she's stuck in the past. You you see her phrase there if only, Jesus, if only you'd been here then, if only we'd done this, Then, then this never would have happened. Yeah, I can imagine in South Florida today, there are a whole lot of people saying, if only, you know, after the mass shooting last um, week. You know, they're just saying, if only. If only somebody had done this. If only I'd done that. If only we'd done this. And you can get so caught up in the, the past and in our past failures. The, the if only, again, limit. Our faith and trust and action following after Jesus. We, we see here also the religious uh, folks of the group, the, the, the Jews that had gathered uh, d- doing the religious thing. They were weeping and wailing with Jesus. Weeping and wailing with Mary and Martha. And sometimes we can uh, not only protect ourselves, sometimes we can not only just... Uh, um, uh, uh, get, get stuck in past failure of our own, or sometimes we can just sort of seclude ourselves in the religious thing, which limits our trust and belief and obedience um, to Jesus. As they were there just weeping and, and doing, none of those things, those things are natural, they're going to happen. It's the, the result of our fallen world. But in each case, it's limiting them to believe that Jesus is more powerful than death. That he brings life out of death. Mary and Martha, they believe Jesus was more powerful than disease. You know, if, if you'd been here, if only you'd been here, you could have cured it, you could have stopped it. They are not, though, believing that Jesus is more powerful than death. Huh? he died Good to see you, Jesus, but sorry. I know He's going to be raised someday in the future, but but not now. Now, I want you to hone in for me on verse 33. This is a really um, fascinating passage and one that has a lot of interpretive possibilities. When Jesus saw her weeping... And the Jews who came with her also weeping. He was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. That, that word there that's, that is used to describe Jesus at this, at this situation, disturbed, actually is a word that relates more to anger or fury or rebuke. It's not a word that's used for grief. He's not grieving. No, he is rebuking something. He is troubled in spirit. The the word is used in connotations at times about a horse that's snorting before he goes out to war. Yes, exactly. I wasn't going to try it. And the, the next and the, the word also says he's troubled in, in spirits. Uh, the, uh, the second word used there is about water that is disturbed, water that was peaceful that now has winds blowing up and it's causing waves and destruction. What, what was this? What, what was this dis- rebuke that is going on within Jesus? This is what I, I believe. This is re- this is revealing his longing. This is revealing his unfulfilled desire that I think leads to his weeping. That, that, when, that, that great verse we all want to memorize, that Jesus wept, yeah, that's uh, the childhood memory verse. But he's weeping not for the death of Lazarus. That just doesn't make sense because he all along has known that, that Lazarus was going to be raised. And we read on, as we will do in a minute, I mean, there's, there's no question in Jesus' mind that's what's going to happen. So He's not weeping for life, but I think he's, what He's weeping for is the brokenness of our world and the weakness of our faith as humans. The, the human condition in a fallen, broken world and His unfulfilled longing for us to trust and believe and walk with Him and this journey that we're on of deepening in our faith. It's the battle raging within us and within this world to live according to the ways of the kingdom, to to grow in faith and trust in Him. That the power of death has the capacity to limit our faith and dependence on Him. And I don't think he's mad. He's not mad at the grievers. He's not mad at the, the grief. He's not even mad at our weakness of faith. But just how the power of death, which is the result of the, our rebellion, how that limits our faith and trust in him. That's his longing. The power of death to limit trust and joy and justice and faith. Of the living. All right, so then we pick up verse thirty-eight. Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. See, that's the same word. That's that same horse snorting word. That, that, that now he's at the tomb and he's greatly disturbed. There is a a rebuke within him of the evil that is around us. That evil that d- diminishes even our, again our faith and trust in him. And Jesus said. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead four days. You see again the the limits of our faith. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, now now here's his prayer. And here, I think his prayer is, is revealing what he's disturbed about. Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here. So that they may believe that you sent me. That's his longing. That we would know that Jesus is God in the flesh. That he has the power of creation and even power over death. And that nothing, not the devil himself, not sin, not guilt, not death, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. That's his deepest longing. And when he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. See, I believe this story is true. Not like a fable is true, but like history is true. That Lazarus was dead. And he'd been dead four days that his heart had stopped beating, that his brain had stopped waving, that his flesh was decomposing. And Jesus, the creator of all that is, the the lover of all of us, showed his power even over death and said, this dead man is now alive and I have power even over death itself. Believe me. Trust me. Follow me. I believe this is true and real. I mean, it's crazy. And that it makes no sense unless there truly is a God who's more powerful than death. Who's the one who speaks life into being. And this has direct implication for our lives. As we face the challenges and struggles, as we face the challenges and struggles of our own natural tendency to protect ourselves, to become a cynic, to say, ah, there's no no way things are going to change. Let's just stay here. Or our natural uh, tendencies um, uh, to uh, uh, believe God for a little bit. You know we'll believe it for we'll work with God, You know, sort of 50/50 here, you know 75, you know, 25., but there are some things that are beyond God's power. Or we just seclude ourselves in our own religious celebrations but don't enter into the mess of the world. I've felt that way sometimes around the, the shooting in Florida. And just the mess of our world. I mean, it's sort of like I'm in so much in shock. I'm like, I don't even know what to do. And, and I, I get so, maybe I'm, I'm reading the wrong thing. I, I get frustrated because you get people who are in positions of leadership fighting for their political positions instead of putting those things down and saying, yeah, we need sensible gun control. There's absolutely no reason that somebody should have a gun that shoots that many bullets in that much time. What? Use is that. And yes, we need mental health. This poor child faced such trauma and there's nobody around. So yeah, there's all kinds of brokenness. And I have a tendency just to sort of shut shut down, you know, close the fence, protect myself, not enter into it. Just be a cynic. I have a tendency just to say, well, let's just go and celebrate Jesus. He is great. He is good. And let's just leave it there. Or a, a tendency to say, well, that's not God's place. Then I'm convicted. No, wait a minute. I believe in a God who's more powerful than death. Even 17 deaths. I believe in a God who brings life out of death, even 17 innocent deaths. So I don't know what it looks like, but we've got to enter into this mess and say, where is life? Where is reason? Where is justice? Where is goodness? And get beyond the political wranglings What is just and good. Also, want to celebrate one of our own. We had a prayer meeting on Wednesday, after Ash Wednesday, with Donna and Richard Pessinger. You know, and we've we've been privileged as a community to walk with the Pessengers during Donna's battle with leukemia. For the last, what, five years? Five, six years now? And as Donna walks through it and Richard walks through it with her, you know, now the, the medical profession says, you know, there's really no more treatment that we can do. There's we're, You're really now, our next step is to give you to hospice. And so a number of folks were just beat up by that, we're like, "Donna, we've got to pray for you, Richard we've got to pray for you." And about 25, 30 people in the prayer room after Ash Wednesday just saying, "God, we believe you are greater than death." But you know what we had to do in that meeting? We had to tell Donna to stop praying for other people, because that's what she kept bringing up other people. We're like, "No, Donna, this prayer is for you. Would you stop praying for other people?" You see what what but what the gift was for all of us that were there is what we see in them is one who believes Jesus is greater than death. And so she's not going to die until she dies. Yeah, she's going to keep living because Jesus is alive and is greater even now, and then she knows that that death is that movement into that marching to Zion. But until that time. She's not focused on self-protection. She's not focused just on good religious practices. No, she's out there still talking to her neighbors about Jesus. Because Richard and Donna are seeking to live because they know Jesus is greater than death. See, Lazarus eventually died. Eventually, he's not still living. No, he, he died. And eventually, Donna's going to die. So is Richard. So am I. And so are you. But Jesus is greater than death. So therefore, we can live without fear. We don't have to protect ourselves. We we seek after Jesus because He's greater. We don't give up and become cynics. We don't just... Do the religious thing. No, because this story is real and true, we enter into the mess of our world knowing somehow, not by our abilities, we're just walking along like these guys are walking. I mean, Mary and Martha and, uh, and uh, 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 Thomas, they were wrong, but they were with Jesus. They were weak, but they were with Jesus. And His power was greater than death. That's his longing. That's Jesus' longing for them. That's Jesus' longing for us. That's why we're here. To encourage and strengthen one another. We are not about living this life according to the ways of the world that runs from pain, that is scared of death, that denies the truth. No. We're here following after Jesus. Longing ourselves to grow in faith and trust because we know in the depth of our souls. We we know that Jesus is more powerful than death. We know that he is good and we want to trust and believe. That's why we're here. We believe, Lord, help our unbelief. Amen.